Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. After playing in the Damalsvenskan with Linköping FC for nine years, Jonna Andersson left Sweden to play in the Women's Super League when she signed for Chelsea back in 2017. The Swedish fullback recently returned home when it was announced that she had signed for Hammarby EF this summer. Jonna Andersson is this week's guest on the podcast and in this episode she talks about her time in London, why she chose to sign for Hammarby and how she ended up playing as a fullback. She's an experienced player with a great resume, both from club football and from the Swedish national team. Swedish league titles with Linköping FC, WSL titles, wins in the FA Cup and in the Continental League Cup, such as experience in the Champions League with Chelsea. With the Swedish national team, she has played in Olympic tournaments, European Championships and in the World Cup. And you are listening to their pitch and this is the Jonna Andersson episode. Tuesday and Sweden's playing against France today in front of a record crowd. They've actually put in more seats at the the, the stadium for the first time since uh, the Euros 2013. And with us for today's podcast, we have Jonna Andersson. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Doing very well today. Jonna, I know how to pronounce your name your first and last name, but for everyone in England or anywhere else in the country, in the world, how, how do you how do you pronounce your name? For me, if I try to to say my name to someone, I say Jonna Andersson. Or in more in Swedish is Jonna Andersson. But then I think it's it's hard because if you come to England they say more Jonna uh, and it's more Anderson. Uh, and then I've heard Joanna and Jonah and everything. So, yeah, but, but for me, I'm Jonna Andersson. We have a quote from somebody, which we usually start off the podcast like this, uh, from somebody who knows you very well. Um, I'm going to read it to you in English, but I'm also going to have to say something in Swedish because there was one word in this that I honestly I had to Google translate it. And I don't know if it gives the right thing because it's, yeah, I don't know if it gives the right exact um, translation, but we'll see. Jonna is a fast and very and very strong in her running with incredibly resilient calves. And the left foot of hers, I would like her to share with me. That's short and consistent. But the calves thing is supposed to be an in, like an internal joke. Is the hint I yeah, can give you? Uh, the only ones that's come into my mind straight away when I hear about the calves, that's Elin Rubenson. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we, we always laugh about my about my coughs because I think she's normally I don't know if she's been struggling with the coughs or getting cramps or some injuries and then yeah, she's always saying that she's jealous about uh, my strong coughs. I don't know why, but yeah. However, we do want to talk about the national team with you. Um obviously these last two years have been you guys got a silver medal at the Olympics and went in as favorites for, for the Euros. How, how would you describe that year for you? I think uh, if we start with Olympics, it was a good tournament for us. I think we performed well and we we had a really good chance to, to win the gold medal. Uh, but we, yeah, in the final, we had a great performance and we probably should have won it before the penalty uh shootout and of course it's it's always afterwards it's always good to to have a silver medal and to to be second but it, it felt like we lost the gold medal more than we won the silver but yeah and then i think we moved on and came into euros um, as you say some some people saw us as favorites but we also knew it was a a tough tournament with a lot of good teams so um, I think we were going into that tournament with good confidence, but also knowing that it was going to be tough and we had to to perform at our best to to be able to win something in that tournament. If we just backtrack a little bit to the Olympics, obviously we've we've heard the stories of um, Caroline Seager, of, of hers, of, of missing that penalty and how that affected her, her mentality and, and her mentally. How, how was that for you? Because you also did miss a penalty. How was that time after that for you? For me personal, I think it was really tough. Uh, you always know in the end that you win or lose as a team. But uh, for me, I haven't been taking penalties normally. I think I was I was 13, 14 years old uh, when I took my, my last penalty in like a competition. Um, that's not even... I think it was a, a tournament like Gothe Cup in Gothenburg or something. So I'm normally not a player that take a penalty, but I was also prepared that I'm probably going to have to do it at some point and you need to be prepared. Uh, you know that you can you can be there and maybe you don't want to take it, but in the end it maybe comes to that all the 11 players has to take a penalty. So I just, um, yeah, had the mentality that if, if I need to take a penalty, I'm going to say yes and I'm going to try to be as prepared as you can uh, in the tournament and when it's a penalty shootout. So, yeah, I, I felt quite calm before I took the penalty, but of course um, she she went the, the right way and it wasn't um, the best penalty either. So that was, um, that was tough mentally and I think um, it was in my head a long time after the tournament. But as I said, it's always... You win as a team and you lose as a team. But for me personally, that was, of course, um, really, really tough. And how did you find like the support within the group after that? Because obviously after that game, everyone seemed, at least from like the media's outlook, everyone seemed devastated for obvious reasons. But once you guys came back to Sweden, it, feel, it felt like you guys had settled in a little bit. And that silver medal was like something that you guys were proud of. Yeah, I think it's always like straight after the game or just... Uh, one or two days afterwards, it's always uh, mentally hard. That, as I said before, it feels like 
you were losing the gold instead of winning the silver medal. And then it takes some time to to understand what we have achieved. And uh, in the end, it was a good tournament. And we had another um, another medal in the Olympics. So it was it was hard. But as you said, when we came back and you can understand and realize that it was a good tournament and good performances from from our team, then it's easier to come back and feel that it was it was something good that we did. But after the game straight away and a few days after, it's always really, really hard when you lose a big final like that. And even even if you've lost the, the final, I, that confidence, you know, that you build up knowing that you can make it very far into a tournament, did that follow with you guys into the Euros? Yeah, I think you can always see what you can do better uh, for the next game and for the next tournament, but also take things with you that you you did great. And I think that's what we did with the confidence, with the performances that we had in the Olympics that we can build on and try to to make us better as a team uh, going into Euro. So I felt that we we had a good Olympics uh, where we could bring a lot of good things into the Euros. During the Euros, there was a lot of criticism from the media in Sweden. I don't know. Did you guys read anything during or were you at all affected by, by the media at that point in terms of performance? We we tried to make it as, as individual as we could. Like if you wanted to read, you could read, but it was really important to to keep it to yourself and not share it with people if they decided to not read it. So um, it was up to, to you if you wanted to to read something. But of course, we had media every day after training. So at some point you were going to stand there and ask, answer the question. So you had to be in that environment as well. And uh, of course we were talking about it because we knew it was uh, a lot of questions was kind of going to come up if we didn't perform and we had to handle it. Even if um, you always try to, to do something that is not going to affect your performance, but it's always hard when you are in that the bubble and you have to answer these questions because the media from my understanding it hasn't been as uh, how do you say it hasn't been as much before this was like record in terms of being on site and covering the women's national team was that also different for you guys I wouldn't say I felt that it was like a huge difference. As you said, it was probably many more, but I think that was more in a positive way. Then you can see that the women's football um, is growing and it's it's getting bigger and people want to be there live. Uh, so I didn't feel that it was like a big difference more than in a positive way. Um, speaking about the Euros, how, now with the distance to the tournament, how do you think personally that... What was it that didn't get you guys to a, a final, would you say? I think you can have so many different things that didn't go our way. Uh, you you can never blame injuries or COVID, but of course, it was something that I felt affected the group in the end. And uh, yeah, we didn't have the chance to have the full squad during the whole tournament, but that's we were prepared for it and you can't really blame that. You still have a good squad and, and players that can uh, step in and play games. But of course, that was a tough thing that uh, we had in the squad during the tournament. Um, but then also, I 
we were not happy with uh, our performances uh, overall and we always felt like we could do better and everything but in the end you had to win the games uh, which we did until the the England game and we we were going as far as we could and we knew that we were going to face a good opponent uh, we knew Euros was going to be a really tough tournament and uh, as I said before we we were going into the tournament knowing that uh, we had a lot of pressure from media and from outside but we also knew we had to be on our top and we had to to do everything 100% and uh, yeah sometimes have a little bit luck as well to go all the way during the last couple of games COVID hit really really hard how was that for you personally because obviously you did miss a couple of practices. And if I'm not mistaken, did you miss a game? Yeah. Yeah. So it hit, I don't know how many, but like four players. Yeah. Uh, no, I think for me, it was hard. Of course, we had a few, we had a couple of cases before uh, I got my, my results and I was waking up in the middle of the night and I could feel like it was... Um, a little bit harder to breathe and I was having, um, yeah, when, when I was breathing, I was feeling it in my chest and I was quite prepared to, to have a, a positive COVID test in the morning. And um, so, yeah, I was prepared, but it's always when you get the result and you know that you're going to be isolated for, you don't even know how many days and you just need to wait for, for a negative result to be, be out from the room. So that was tough and I was just stuck out, isolated in my hotel room um, and um, don't been able to to be with the group, to train, to to play games. That's, um, yeah, that's mentally really, really tough. And especially when you feel that you were going into the tournament with, with a good feeling. Uh, I felt that I was, um, yeah, I had been performing quite well. And then it's even harder, I think, mentally to to be isolated and not be able to to try to continue on that um, yeah the way that that I felt in the beginning yeah i i have a question just because this thing with covid and the pandemic this is the new reality when going into international breaks and, and stuff like that how do, do you ever talk about that now that covid is existing or do we just like it's there and that's it I think as long as we have these rules as we had in the Euros, like if you compare to a normal person, you are probably not testing you anymore and you can be out normal if you don't have symptoms anymore. But during the Euros, we still had the the test and you had to, to be isolated until you had a negative test. Like I had, I think I had four or five days where I didn't feel anything. And as a normal person, you just go out in all my life, but I had to to be stuck isolated for five days with almost no symptoms and just waited and waited for the negative result. And as long as we we have these rules, we we need to accept that it's still gonna be COVID and we need to still be be careful what we are doing and uh, it can spread quite quickly as we saw in the Euros and uh, we still have to be being mindful. Um, I think I don't think we're gonna <laughs> like act different if it's not testing anymore but I still think that's going to be a little bit different if you have a flu or you don't feel 100% then you maybe stay uh, in your room for a couple of days but when your symptoms are gone then you can be out again so 
I think it's it's all depends if it's gonna be yeah a protocol or something from from UEFA. Uh, but otherwise, I feel and I hope it's more gonna be like a normal flu, and you can uh, yeah you can just stay inside and and be isolated if you feel bad. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That being said, we're going to move on to your new club team, or not so new anymore. You've been there for a while now, or for a couple of months at least. Uh, how might be? How would you say the star has been, and how are you liking it? Uh, I think it's been good. Uh, I was able to to be with the team for a couple of weeks before Euros. I wasn't able to play, but I could still be with the team, to train with the team and to to be able to um, be around the team with, I think it was two or three games uh, without playing. And I think that was helping me a lot because after Euros, it was like one friendly game and then a week of training and then it was into the league game. So for me, it's, I think I've been adapting quite well and I think the two weeks before Euros helped me a lot as well. And um, the first months with, with the games has been good. I think we have been improving each game and uh, we we show uh, that we can be, be handling the top teams. Now the last results hasn't been um, what we, we wanted, but we still uh, show people that we can perform in a really good way and it's something good uh, coming up and hopefully we can build on that for the next year. Why Hammarby? Because you must have had a lot of other offers. Mm, yeah, I was. I think it was a lot of um, thoughts in my mind if I was going to stay in in the UK or if I wanted to move back to Sweden to try to maybe challenge myself in a different way. Um, I didn't feel that I had to go to another country like for me uh, it's more about what I feel and where I feel that I can uh, feel like not feel like home but it's really important for me that I um, I like the environment and um, it's people around me that I feel that can help me to to stay calm and to to have a nice life outside as well So uh, I was, of course, thinking of should I stay in the UK to to try to do something new, maybe in a new club. But then I had a, an early conversation with Pablo and Hamabu, and I felt that it was uh, it was something big coming up uh, in the team and in the club. That was uh, something I wanted to be a part of. You, you did mention I didn't know if I was going to stay in the UK. Was there an option for you to? to stay in Chelsea and, and extend your contract there? Or was there other clubs involved? From the beginning, uh, it wasn't an option to stay in Chelsea. Um, like we didn't really, really had the conversation that I was going to uh, get a new contract. And then I, I, of course, had to to try to find other options. Uh, and then I was starting to to look around and I didn't have so many minutes uh, 
in the autumn in the last season with Chelsea. So I was starting to to see what I can do and where I could fit in best and, and get minutes. For me, that was really important, uh, of course, to to play games. And um, then in the end, we were talking a little bit to to have a contract with Chelsea. But then I felt that I've always like if they say no from the beginning and then coming back and say that they can offer me a contract, then it, for me, it felt like I wanted to try something new. And um, yeah, just just to get minutes and to, yeah, I think that's where I'm at my best and have my um, confidence as well when I just play games. So for me, that was uh, the most important when I took my decision. Speaking of Chelsea, you've had some heartbreaking losses in the past couple of years. It was the Olympic finals and the Champions League final. How how was that to experience the Champions League final loss with Chelsea? It was tough, of course. Uh, it's uh, it's a goal that Chelsea as a club have had and still have to to be in the final and to to win Champions League and and to to lose a final. It's it's always hard and yeah, I think it was. Uh, it was just a big thing to be in the final for the first, uh, like that's, that's always big, but you, when you are there, you always want to win. So that was of course really, really tough. How was, uh, how was the last couple of months for you with Chelsea? Cause I, I, I assume they were quite turbulent with like everything going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I think for us, it was really important. And they told us as well that we had to focus on training and games and, I think that helped us a lot. Like we, if you wanted to to talk about things going on uh, in the club, you you could do that and you could have the help uh, around you. But they they also told us that we we should trust them that they are taking the the best decision for the club, and uh, we had to try to to stay focused. We were able to train. We were able to to play the games and continue the the competition we were in. So I think, of course, I think it affected a few people and of course the club, but uh, for us as a team, we could still continue and try to, to do what we uh, were, were there to do. So, Do you think that it's easier said than done to say, hey, don't focus on, on the football and nothing else, but knowing everything that's going on behind the scenes is, I don't know. Yeah, of course. I think because that's that's a big thing going on, and you actually don't really know what's gonna happen. And you see the the newspapers and the headlines, what could happen with the club and everything. So, of course, you were in we're in a time where you didn't really know, even if you um, try to to trust them that it was gonna um, be solved and it's gonna be um, the best best way for the club, but. I I didn't feel that it affected me personally that much. I tried to focus what I could do, and then uh, I was I was having a trust in in the club and the the process they did that it was gonna be the best for for everyone. Let Let's move on to the funny stuff. At least I think so, uh, because I know that that there's a story sort of behind you playing as a fullback. You. You played the position when you were younger, when you were supposed to score a lot of goals, right? 
Yes, that's correct. So what's the story behind uh, the position you play today? Mm, yeah, as you said, I was playing, uh, well, I was starting my, my football as a forward, as a striker. And uh, I played that for for many years. And uh, when I first moved to moved to Linköping, uh, when I was 15, 16 years old, I was still a striker. And uh, I think they signed me as a striker or left midfielder. So I was still an, a really attacking player. And uh, I think it was, I was having a conversation with um, Martin Sjögren when he, were, uh, he was in Linköping. And uh, yeah, at that point I was with the under 23 national team and uh, he was telling me that he, he thought I could uh, take big steps if, if I was trying to, yeah, to change position to an attacking fullback. And uh, yeah, I was uh, accepting the challenge and uh, now I'm stuck as a fullback or a wingback. So I'm, I'm still an attacking player, but more uh, maybe defensively than as a striker as I started. Are you happy with the, with the choice or accepting Martin's proposal? Yeah, I think that gave me a spot in the women like the senior national team. And of course, that's uh, that's why you want to end up and to play for your country. So, of course, I'm, I'm happy with that. And um, yeah, you never know how or where you could end uh, if I was continue as a striker. But um if I could choose today, I will continue to to be a, a wing back or a full back, and I don't think I could handle the, the striking uh, position anymore. It's quite, you know, it it feels like the left back uh, position is quite hard to fill in some teams because not so many players are left footed and skilled uh, with their left foot as well. So. It seems like you have chosen the right position to to thrive in. Yeah, I think that's uh, as I say, it's it's a tough position to fill in, and it's uh, the best choice. It's probably always a left-footed on the left side. It's uh, and yeah, it's not that many left-footed players that um, play as as a fullback. So yeah, probably I was choosing the right position. What what in in your opinion um, and looking at the, the Dahmal Svenskan right now what is the role of a fullback in the Swedish league and in the team you play now obviously um, I think it's uh, going forward a lot uh, of course you, you need to defend and protect that the, the opponent is not going to concede any goals but for me and uh, my role and what I want is to, to of course be an attacking fullback to be able to uh, to do crosses or passes into the box to to be able to create chances so we can we can score goals. Uh, so that's what I, I I want to do to be an attacking fullback. Do you think it's more challenging to come back to Sweden uh, than when you left the league? Uh, looking how uh, it has de- developed. Yeah, I think I probably need to give it some more time to be able to answer it 100% because uh, I, I haven't been playing against all the teams yet. But I still feel that it has been growing, like the league has been growing and teams have been uh, trying to get better. Uh, it's been four and a half years since I played here last time. So, uh, of course, uh, things have been change and I think it's 
it's going upwards and I think teams are uh, improving and, and getting better. Yeah, and I, I usually bring this up because so many of those who listen to this podcast, they like to talk about differences between leagues and teams, uh, obviously as well. But what would you say if, from the position you play? Uh, are there any differences from the WSL and those games you have been playing in the Dalmatian up till now? I think it's quite similar. Uh, you still need to run uh, up and back. <laughs> you need to to be in the attacking half to play crosses and you need to be in the your own box to, to defend crosses. So uh, that position is uh, still quite similar. Uh, and it's of, if, it's, of course, sometimes different depending on who you play. If you have a lot of possession in the game, And uh, when I played in Chelsea, we played a lot of good teams, but we also played where we had a lot of possession. And that's maybe not easier, but then you are in a higher position for a longer period instead of running up and back all the time. So I think that's maybe the biggest difference so far. Um, it's I wouldn't say it's more transitional, but like if if you can't have the possession for longer times, it's going to be ending up you running um attacking box and then defending box uh, yeah, more times than maybe before. So I will come back with with answer after a whole season. But yeah, maybe that's uh, one different. Yeah. And what do you consider is the most valuable thing uh, that you learned during your time in Chelsea regarding your position? I think I was having uh, conversations with Emma Hayes like the last one or two years that I was um, a lawyer player and I didn't really want to make mistakes. I just sometimes play the easy ball or sometimes stay to to protect uh, defensively instead of try to go in forward. So um, she told me to try to, I don't know how to translate it, like uh, släppa handbromsen. Yeah, that's 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 a good. Yeah, I don't know. We like. say we say that in Sweden, släppa handbromsen. You know the the brake in the car uh, when it stands still. <laughs> yeah, in the the either. Uh, let's yeah, just... it's it's an easy way to say it in Swedish, and then I I understand that I just get out of to... get out of the comfort zone, maybe. Yeah, probably in a good way. Yeah, uh, and do uh, try to be a little bit more brave attacking, and I felt that. Um, that was one thing I was trying to do and I felt I was improving that the last season in Chelsea and that gave me a little bit more confidence and that I actually could do things, um, um, maybe more attacking. So that's what I think was quite important when I was talking to her and I tried to to do that a little bit more often. Yeah, and correct me now if I'm wrong because I did diving in into some of your numbers the last uh, because when when Magdalena Eriksson was injured uh, the three months uh, you came back into the starting 11 and then when I started looking at numbers it seemed like you had taken on her role and that you and her played sort of the same role uh, up the left side like you you were supposed to attack and to uh, to provide in a lot in the build up. Yeah, I think um when she got I think before we played a back three and then I was uh, competing as a wing back and then when her injury came uh, after all around Christmas then 
we were going back to a back four and I was playing more like a normal fullback. And uh, for us, we we had to to try to go more forward. And when I played, I tried to to be an attacking fullback. I guess that's where I want to be. Yeah, you had really good numbers in uh, expected uh, threats when she was away. And it was sort of, you know, when you look at numbers, you can see that all of a sudden, okay, so this is this is her role uh, when this player is gone and, and so on. So th- that was good. And uh, from the position you play as well, uh, what information do you think is the most, imp- most important that you need to know before going out to play a game in the Dalmansvenskan right now? I think it's... <laughs> For me, I like like the general information, like how do they play um, defensively? How can we play out in the build-up? How can we be threatening them in the crosses? Uh, do they have any weak links, weak sides? And how do they attack? How do do we need to do in the press? Because uh, I like to to be quite aggressive and press high, and then you need to know how they're going to set up when they build out. Um, and sometimes, of course, if it's a specific player that want to dribble or drive or use the left or right foot, then it's more that you can have some information about individual players as well. Yeah, I, I just I'm going to say this now because I I thought the game uh, when Hammarby hosted Linköping, uh, when Linköping won eight uh, one nil, that was probably one of the best games in the Dalmansenskan this season so far. So much intensity, uh, two teams that want to press high and uh, it it really felt that this is the development uh, we are seeing uh, in the Dalmansenskan with among the best teams. So I, I think Hammarby is going to be a very exciting team to, to follow in the upcoming years. Yeah, I think that was a really... Uh really tough and intense game and um, it didn't go our way in the end but we we had quite good performance as well especially first half but yeah it was tough and and as you said it was an intense game and uh, yeah it was it was close but but not enough for for us this time good game for the spectators yes and the and the fans if the football fans in general maybe not the Hammarby fans because you you lost but it was a great game of football i recommend uh, everyone who listens to watch back on that game if possible so let's go into the questions from listeners from chelsea women's supporters group uh, we don't have a question we just want to say that we miss her yeah um I think the supporter group in Chelsea, they have been amazing uh, throughout the the years I've been there and they've always been supporting us and following us away games, home games. So, yeah, of course, I miss them a lot as well. So uh, hopefully I can come back one day and and just be there and say hi to them. Yeah, I'm sure they they are going to be very happy to to hear that uh, as well when they listen to this because they will. Of course, they were asking a question, so they have to to listen to the answers. Exactly, exactly. Derek Vert wants to know, at Linköping, how was the transformation from a title-winning team with big names in 2009 to a team rebuilding with young players? Mm, So when I came, it was like, I wouldn't say many stars, but yeah, it was was a good uh, team in, in Linköping at that point. And I was... 
I was quite young and I was just uh, not only learning, but I was 15, 16, seven years, 17 years old. And for me, it was about learning and try to, to get into the, um, to the top, uh, top team and a top level, um, moving from, uh, yeah, division three at that point into Dama Svenska was a big step as a 16 years old. Um, and then a few years later, we were building with, uh, or did she, did he still mean Linköping at that point? Or did he mean Hammarby now? No, no he meant Linköping. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we had a few years while we were, yeah, not rebuilding, but we were having a, a good squad with uh, younger players and it took us a few years to to finally win a title. And I think that's important as well to develop the group, develop the team and uh, uh, you need to have patience and, and trust in the team that it's going to come. Uh, it's always hard and you want to win things straight away, but sometimes it takes two, maybe three years to to win something. And that's what, what happened with us and we were building a really good group of players and teams and it ended up us, us winning a title in the end. Two titles. Two titles. That's cool. Yeah. Before you left. Yes. Back to back. <laughs> yeah. So GRX uh, wants to know a football player you look up to and why? I always think that's a hard question uh, because I've never felt that I've been having like a big role model or, or something but when I came to Linköping, I think for me, uh, Charlotte Rolin were a really good uh, role model and uh, a leader and, um, and a very like kind and humble person. And uh, I think she was always taking care of, of the new players and everything. So, of course, when I came as 16 years old, she she was probably one that I was looking up to in, in Linköping. 1912, 19N wants to know, what is your best memory with Chelsea? That's a hard one. It feels like I've been having so many good memories with with the club and with the team. So it's hard to to only pick one of them. Um, I think maybe the um, FA Cup final when I first came. I think that was uh, yeah to to play the final, to play it at Wembley, and and to win the title uh, when I just came to the club. That was a really good and, and big memory for me that I, I'm going to remember uh, for a long time. Last question uh, from Frauen Football. Do you have any expectations on the game against Australia, uh, the location, fans, uh, and have you talked about the game with your teammates? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, of course, playing Australia and, and of course, uh, to to have a game in, in the country as well. Uh, I've been talking a little bit to them and, and they say it's it's nice. Uh, for them it's it's not summer there, but probably it's summer for us when when it's the when the game is gonna be be played. But um we haven't been talking so much about it yet. It's still uh another international break coming up before and yeah, but I'm excited and I think it's the squad hasn't been announced, but of course it would be, be great to travel to Australia and to be able to play against them in Australia. And get some nice jet lag. Yeah, that's maybe the, the one thing I don't want to uh, face. But yeah, hopefully we can handle it if, if we are going there. Yeah, 
that's it's always tough with jet lags, but you you have to do it if you want to travel to Australia and play a game. Is isn't that though one of the reasons why you guys are playing Australia is to kind of figure out how your bodies will react in the World Cup when you guys actually have to travel there? If I'm not mistaken, I think that was one of the reasons. Maybe. I actually don't know, but yeah, may, maybe that's uh, one good thing to to see how we can handle it, and uh, it's it's an important thing to to know how you can do and to to know it already now. What could we do different for the for the World Cup? So yeah, maybe that's one one reason. She's not going to reveal the real reason for traveling <laughs> there ahead of the World Cup. She's keeping all the secrets. Yeah. Yes. Yona, we're going to move on to the end section, the last part, which is this or that five questions. Obviously, I did break the rules to you before, which is I don't want an explanation. I just want an answer. Yes. But if I can't answer, then I just going to say pass. Or do you want oh, an explanation? That's a good question. I've never had that. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I can answer it. Uh, I will right. try. I will uh, we'll try start with a good slide tackle or intercepting a pass that is about to break the lines. Interception and pass. Dribbling your way out of the first line of pressure on your own or playing out of it with perfect one-touch passes together with a teammate? Playing out one touch with a teammate. Coming on from the bench to make an impact on getting the win or being in the starting lineup in a mediocre game? Ooh. If it's a mediocre game, does that mean that you don't win the game? No, it, it's it, let's say it like this. Coming on from the bench to make an impact on getting the win or being in a starting lineup where, where you either draw the game or lose the game. If that's the end product, I would say come from the bench and make an impact to win the game. Causing a tactical foul for the opponents or taking one yourself for the team to stop a counterattack. Taking one for the team. Scoring one yourself or making an assist? Making an assist. Oh, come on. The goal. I, I, I wish I could say the other way. I need to be better at, uh, at shooting. But at this point, that's probably um, more assists than goals. Next time, maybe next time I would answer it different. The, the championship's goals. Yeah. Pop notch. The, the Euros one. Incredible. <laughs> It's a few, it's a few ones, but I think I need to have a few more before I can say that I, of course, I, I want to like score goals, but that's that hasn't been my um, my top thing uh, in my position. So maybe next time we're gonna expect that from you in Australia and New Zealand <laughs> yeah. next summer. Now that you just you you set the bar with the goal versus the Netherlands. Yeah, uh, I I will do my best. I promise. With that being said, we wrap up this episode. Jonna, thank you so much for being on. Thank you.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 